Warning, MF Uncensored contains adult language and discussion. Listener discretion is advised. We're a couple of misfits. We're a couple of misfits. What's the matter with misfits? That's where we fit in. We're not happy and dilly. Don't go around willy-nilly. Seems to us kind of silly. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to MF Uncensored. Don't forget, if you guys are listening to us on the go, you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, basically anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also find more of our content on our website, themisfitfaction.com. There you find links to not only this show, but some of our other shows like the Multiverse Fancast and Cinematic Adventures. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Paul, and with me via the Zoom studio is someone who's already bringing a ton of energy and a ton of excitement to the point where I had to stop her during our pre-show because I was getting too engaged with the topics and just the, the sheer just excitement about it. And that is Mrs. Jessica Gonzalez of Jessica of All Trades. Jessica, how are you today? I'm doing great. I hope you're doing great too. It's Sunday, so you know, enjoying the last bit of the weekend, right? Oh, Sunday fun day. It's like either Sundays are super low-key, mellow, lazy, or I feel like I'm constantly doing a lot of stuff on a Sunday that I'm trying to catch up on. Completely agree. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> to, the, to the point where like in the pre-show, like Jessica had things that she was like doing at the same time. I was doing things at the same time. Like it's just, I'm glad we we're actually able to just sit down and now actually do what we're here to do. All right, so for you, Jessica, we're going to start actually, I like to change it up every once in a while. Sometimes I'll do like, tell me a little bit about yourself before this point, but let's start with what you're doing right now. You are doing a program with e-learning. Can you tell me a little bit about e-learning? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So e-learning is a very like broad field, and it's recently, I would say the pandemic actually blew it up. Mm -hmm. So e-learning is Use, utilizing the internet and modern day technology to enhance learning. So this can range from being an instructional designer to also being an online tutor as well, or designing, you know, those online courses. Cause we see that with LinkedIn is like LinkedIn learning or even Fiverr, Fiverr learning, these mm -hmm. kinds of things. So with e-learning, well, I'm specifically right now in tutoring, I'm transitioning into instructional design. So with online tutoring, it's more like you're giving access to students who are in more remote areas in the United States to allow them to have quality education without feeling like they need to go three hours somewhere or they need to leave their hometown or state in order to get like good quality tutoring, good quality mentorship and all of that. It's a very rewarding career. It's the reward of helping students is what drove me here because I very much grew up in a situation where um, my my grandparents immigrated to the U.S. So they had very little English um, ability. Mm -hmm. So they didn't really have that many opportunities. And my parents had me when they graduated high school. So they didn't really have that many opportunities. So I get having an adult who can help navigate stuff that you're not familiar with is very important for a child's life, which is why I'm in online tutoring. But as I'm getting older, I want to mature into instructional design, which is another aspect of e-learning, where you create fun, interactive experiences to solve problems. Hmm. So um, it could range from designing an escape room for people to do virtually, which is very fun and engaging, to helping people figure out how to create a more balanced diet because they want to improve their health. Again, this I, I'm very much a creative person. I can't live without creativity. I don't even know who I am without it. So that's why I'm trying to do that shift. Again, there's other aspects of um, e-learning, such as, you know, like running an English program with students in Southeast Asia or Latin America, because I do know I am friends with some people who do that. 
There's also people who design online courses and coaching programs. Actually, recently on Friday, I was at a book event where I met another author like myself, and she just launched her online coaching program, which is another aspect of e-learning. It's just creating ways to continuously learn. And again, just like a little fun small note is that the more you learn and engage as you get older, you decrease your chances of dementia and Alzheimer's. So again, I think that this field has so much potential and so many health benefits for people. So I'm really grateful to be in this field. I'm excited for people to see the things that I'm working on. And I mean, if anyone's interested in working with me or learning a little bit more, they can feel free to reach out with no issue. Oh, that's really cool. So I will I will start this off by saying I was immediately, like for me, I had a preconceived notion of what e-learning was. In fact, to the point where I was like, is that just electronic learning? Like electronic email, like email, <laughs> like to the point where, you know, and you brought up a great point. The pandemic changed the way that we did a lot of things and some things have stuck and some things have finally gone away. Like I'm glad I can buy toilet paper nowadays. I really am. But <laughs> like I feel that. Oh, oh my gosh. God. It, there was a point where we were, don't tell our HOA. My wife and I were taking toilet paper out of the gym here because they had just like a cabinet filled with it. We were like, don't tell anyone. Bye. No judgment. <laughs> I took a paper towel too from my gym. You, I mean, you need to. I got crazy. But then one of the things that the pandemic did really surprisingly well was it evolved technology to a new point, a point that we hadn't really thought of. Like video chatting alone was around for a long time. Like Skype mm -hmm. was around, FaceTime was around. Uh, I'm trying to think what were some of the earlier ones, but like they weren't utilized the way that they are now. And like even the fact that you and I are sitting here having a, a conversation via Zoom three years ago, nobody would have even thought about it. Exactly. So. And I think that, I mean, it's one of the major benefits. Now it's like, you, you don't have to worry about, you know, needing to be present, like physically there. We have technology that can help us. I mean, if you think about this in the early 1900s, this is probably something that's unspoken of. They're like, what is this that you guys are talking about? I mean, the technology revolution happens so rapidly mm -hmm. that we're still trying to consume it. I mean, I'm, I talked to my 13 year old cousin and she has a cell phone. I didn't have that. No. It's so weird sometimes. The first cell phone I got was a Nokia, you know, one of those ones that was like a brick and you could knock somebody out with and yes, you could play snake. That was it. You can make a phone call or you could play snake. Those are the two things you could do on your phone. Wild. Oh you're, you were lucky if you were able to have like three songs on your phone at that point. Oh too. my God. And then the worst was if you, tr if you accidentally hit the internet button, you would try and get out of it really quick before it charged you like $30 for the month to activate. Oh God, I got in so much trouble once. Oh, no, 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 no. But now look at everything. I mean, it's, the internet's just part of your phone. It's crazy. More people, more people use Wi-Fi than an actual like phone plan these days, mm -hmm. in my opinion, from what I've seen. Yeah, oh, I completely agree. And I love how you, you took a thing that grew out of the pandemic. Like a lot of schools had to suddenly shift to online learning and most of them were not prepared to do so. And now, like my wife's doing her master's program and completely online. Like she has not been in a classroom for this entire thing. She's been doing it for almost a year and a half now. I'm doing an EMT course where it's partially online, but also partially in person. And it's, it's crazy to think that that's where we're at right now with the ability to inspire and impact so many people with the internet. Absolutely. And I think that this is more of a blessing in disguise in a way, because I mean, what happens from tragedy comes, you know, small things that really help benefit us in a way. Because, I mean, the pandemic was tragic. It was mm -hmm. not the best time in humanity. I mean, humanity has had, you know, those ups and downs. But now we're coming out of it. And I, I think things are slowly getting better. And people are 
becoming a lot more open to new ideas and innovation because we can't stay stuck in the past is what we're starting to see as well. We need to start moving forward and start creating new ways of solving the world's problems because the way we've been doing it in the past so far isn't working. It's becoming solely obsolete. So I think that that's the potential with like e-learning and online, having access to all this information online. It's like, we should be utilizing this. Absolutely. And for you, you bring a unique perspective. Like you have a lot of history behind why you got involved with this and the benefits of having more education and keeping kids, you know, a little bit more engaged and out of potentially troublesome situations. So how about you though? How did your performing skills and your kind of background help you in your approach to e-learning? So for me, growing up, I became involved in like the performing arts at a very young age. It helped discipline me as well as find an outlet for a lot of stuff. Like, you know, sometimes, you know, things aren't going well at home or something. You know, you have your own personal problems, maybe friend problems as you get older. Mm -hmm. And through creative outlets, you find ways to express yourself and you're able to create situations I mean I think from so I started as a dancer and one of the key things that my coach well my dance instructor taught me is that when you're dancing you need to pretend that you're in a situation where you depend on your other teammates Mm -hmm. and it's very much helped me imagine these things so that way I could become a better performer better figuring out a solution okay if we're being a little sluggish during this piece why is that and how can we fix it so it was able to create you know creative problems creative problem solving skills, essentially. And I'm very grateful for that because I think that's where I get this out of the box kind out of the box kind of ideas, essentially. Because I felt like if I can make this up just for a dance, then I can do this with practically anything, essentially. That's what eventually led me to, you know, going to Rosie's Broadway Kids, where I was recruited for my talent potential. And they taught us the basic, I learned Italian while I was there, because they taught me the basic fundamentals of how the piano is. And I learned pianissimo, grand crescendo, all this stuff that, you know, you don't typically get when you're like 11 or 12. So for me to understand all of these different factors that come with, you know, music and whatnot, I mean, it's honestly the, I really do get sometimes sad that the creative arts is not, is very underfunded these days, but it benefits kids when you give them, and it benefits a lot of adults when you give them the proper tools to understand how to be creative. I mean, it eventually led me to Broadway, which eventually led me to auditioning to Nickelodeon, but then eventually I ended up going to performing arts school in the end. And all of those tools essentially led me to where I am now because now I do also tutor and teach some of the art that I did, such as dance or creative writing and whatnot. So, and then I had to learn how to run my own business and advertise myself and I had to get creative with that. It's like, what is my niche? And what makes me so different and unique essentially from any other person that you can find online and why am I worth this much? So I would say that the ability to be a creative problem solver that comes with cultivating your creativity at a young age is insanely important. And it doesn't need to be something like, you know, something super traditional. It can like getting a bunch of problems and then figuring them out. It could be your self-expression that really fosters you. I mean, there was a series of things that had to lead me there eventually, though. See, I like that because a my wife does dance. She uh, she taught like her dance team. She she does. She used to when she was younger. She did competition. She's taken me to one dance show, like an actual like recital day, and it was probably the most intense day of my entire life. 
like, oh my gosh. like dance days where she, it was like from nine in the morning to like five at night. And you're, it's like thousands of teams. And I was like, I was a little whelmed, not going to lie. Also, she did not prepare me, so I did not bring enough snacks. So I got hangry at one point. But uh, yeah, like it's one of those things where the kids need a lot of different outlets and they not every kid is going to be a sports star. And that's a mentality that a lot of schools still have, which is very strange, you know. Like I, I'm in New York, and I'm and I'm very familiar with our local schools. I do work with schools, and a lot of kids don't. I never wanted to play football as a kid. That wasn't my thing, but I still needed something. So similar to you, I found an outlet for myself. If anybody's been listening to the show long enough, they know that I did martial arts for for 20 plus years, and I wasn't the best, and I wasn't like, but I it was still something for me to do, and it it's actually the reason that I managed to change my career and get to where I am. And uh, ironically enough, it's how I met my wife years and years ago. We met at a martial arts event. She had no idea and I had no idea. And then we ended up getting married years later. It's hilarious. See, that's the plot twist. You never know what it is that can help foster you at a young age that leads you to where you are as an adult. Like it's something like martial arts. It's not something you do professionally, but something that gave you drive, passion and discipline Mm -hmm. and led you eventually to be healthy, but also finding your wife. That's a huge thing. It's really crazy how the world works with stuff like that. Now, I am curious, though. I don't know anything about working on Broadway or performing. So can you tell me a little bit about like those days of, of doing the Broadway stuff and performing? And I'm pretty sure you did mention that you performed in front of somebody very special. Yes. So it was honestly something I didn't see coming. So when I got to fifth grade, that's when Rosie's Broadway Kids began recruitment. Mm-hmm. I, they were in my school previously. And I remember passing by in the hallways at the auditorium and I was like, wow, there's a lot of people here. My gosh. And I was like, what's going on? They're like, oh, it's Rosie's Broadway Kids. I'm like, okay, that's really cool. I'm like, can I do it? I'm like, they say, no, you're fourth grade. When you're fifth grade, you're going to be allowed to enter the program. Because it's kind of, it actually became kind of mandatory for all of us. Because I had friends who did not like it at all. Because they felt like they had no talent, essentially. I mean, I think everyone does. But Everyone fosters it differently because we were required to sing, dance, and act essentially. And some people don't want to do that. And that's fine. So when fifth grade came, I was told that on Friday, was it? I forgot which day, but like twice a week, we were going to be designated to go to the auditorium to rehearse and begin, you know, creating a show for the local area, essentially, because we partnered with three other schools that were going to perform with us. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like, this is actually very cool. All right, why not? And then they taught us, you know, the basic fundamentals of warming up your body, warming up your voice, all of this stuff. And they openly admitted towards the end, they're like, we're going to congratulate a few students who actually got into our summer program and will be performing at the Duke on 42nd Street this summer. And I was one of them. So it was like a standing ovation when we did put on the show. So I was a little bit like, wow, okay, this is very cool. And my parents were really proud because they're like, wow, she really is talented. She actually has something going for her then. All right, so from there, we had to do measurements because Rosie's probably kids paid for all of our leotards, all of our dance shoes, because it was essentially similar to your wife. It was like a Broadway camp would essentially start at what, eight or 9 a.m. And we would go until five, maybe 6 p.m. Nonstop rehearsals of dancing, singing, all this stuff. And we got, we got to learn ballet, tap, jazz, hip hop, as well as singing jazz 
So I didn't get into the older division because you have to honestly dedicate a lot more time and everything. And it was, it was very competitive as well. I'm not going to sit here and lie is that it is, you get into the summer program and then from the summer program, they determine whether they're going to continue, let you continue on to the Broadway program. Mm -hmm. you, it was definitely competitive and you needed to figure out how to stand out. So you also could be eliminated from the program at the end of the summer oh, wow. as well. So I would say, here's the thing that I also want to mention is, I mean, I think a lot of child stars are coming out like, you know, I, I wanted to pursue that as well because, you know, it's like, oh, they make money, they get to have fun on set, all this stuff. And you see people like Jeanette McCurdy, you see Cole Sprout say, yeah, well, it was as fun as you guys thought it was. And I kind of had a bit of that reality as well with Broadway because when they we were working in school, it was all fun and games. But then when I got into the summer program, I noticed the adults became less nice. Mm -hmm. They were a lot more strict and they the expectations were a lot more higher. And I don't think I was mentally prepared for that mm -hmm. because it was a little intimidating because they it went from treating you like a kid to treating you like a professional because at the end of the summer, there are sponsors coming to look at you and see who they're going to scout, essentially. And Ro not only that, we had Rosie coming in. We had, I believe it was Tony Bennett, but I could be wrong. But wow. I know that we had, we had Rosie, we had her family come in, a bunch of sponsors. And I do believe Queen Latifah did make an appearance as well, which was a huge thing. Yeah. It was honestly, it, it was insane. I mean, I get like, okay, we have a lot of people coming to scout you guys, but also mind you, we're like 11 or 12 years old. So it's a little overwhelming when it goes from like, oh my gosh, you guys are so cute. You guys are so talented. So you guys need to get this right because mm -hmm. we have people coming who are paying to be here now. So there was that pressure. I would say there were days that we would all just sit in silence because all of us were just too overwhelmed with how much work and you know going nonstop for hours and hours and hours eventually did get to some of us so mm -hmm. I would say like there are pros and cons but the ability to understand the you know the the history of the piano understanding the Italian roots in classical music and all of this it was very beneficial mm -hmm. it comes with pros and cons essentially so I mean I'm not gonna sit here and lie like it was one of the best shows I've ever put on in my life I do look back at performing at the Duke and it was like wow I there was like so many cameras all this stuff and Rosie gave us all presents at the end but I would be lying if it was not like a little mentally and physically exhausting at 12 years old so yeah I can imagine you, you hear stories about child stars all the time and they like you mentioned like Jeanette McCurdy and Cole Sprouse and like a lot of them, they break under the pressure. They, that's how you get like your Shia LaBeoufs and like other actors who just like they're mentally, they, they were taken advantage of or, or like you hear horror stories like Macaulay Culkin's parents took all of his money. Like, Oh yeah. Even Gary Coleman. Like yep. I saw oh, yeah. that yesterday. Uh, the thing is his parents blew all of his money and he was worth millions upon millions of dollars. My yeah. God. And it's not even like, you become a child star and then what's next? Am I going to stay in this vein? Am I going to go an extreme route to like, like a Miley Cyrus who's, you know, twerking on stage just to be like, I'm not a Disney kid anymore. Watch this. Or are you going to become like a respectable, you know, type actor? And I like that you, you seem very aware of what was going on. Even like at the time, I feel like you were a little bit more aware than a lot of other kids would be at 12, especially. Yeah. It just, 
I think it, the reality set in a bit more because I'm like, okay, I'm going to be on Broadway. I'm going to do this and that. But then the expectation is, okay, you're not a kid anymore. You're a professional mm. now. So that's a big shift. And for someone, I mean, for someone like me, especially because, you know, my parents, you know, my dad was actually a dancer initially. So that's where it came from. My dad was a dancer and I, I forgot the name of his dance group that he was part of, but he was actually very well known. He performed at, so maybe this is the underground club scene in New York. It was, he performed at Limelight, Palladium. Some people might know these places I'm talking Mm -hmm. about, the tunnel. These were very big clubs that had competitions and everyone was always competing to be the best dancer. So I got that initially from my father, who also did push me into doing this because he thought I had that potential as well. So for my parents, they were kind of like, oh my gosh, she's on Broadway, she's doing this and that. But they also, my parents, I think in a way saved me because they did notice the physical and mental toll it was taking on me. Like we did like a spirit week one time in summer camp and I was just too exhausted to put in that much effort to go above and beyond to do all of that because I was just, I was just exhausted at that point from working like nine, 10 hour days rehearsing for this huge summer show that we were going to do for our sponsors. But I would say I, it's, it's such a weird feeling. I would say also there were some body image issues because um, some people were skinnier and we were all required to kind of wear the same uniform. Some people were skinnier, some people were bigger, all this stuff. I would say that's also where the body image issues began, especially when you're transitioning from elementary school to middle school. So it enhanced it a little bit. So I'm not going to say it's the root cause, but it did contribute a bit. And, you know, body image stuff like especially dance, even even me with martial arts, that's where I like I have my own personal issues with body image. And I, I was at a point where I was barely eating. I was really restricting myself. I wanted to look a certain way. I was training for three hours a day. Like and I broke it up like there was a morning workout at like I still wake up at four o'clock in the morning and I work out before I go to work. But that's it's a much healthier way now. But like I was depriving myself of food. Like one at one point, one of my friends like really pulled me aside. Her name's Lisa. She's fantastic. And she's like, you don't look well. Like you look skinny, but you don't look well. And that was really where I had to stop and kind of reevaluate myself and be like, hey, like who, who am I trying to look a certain way for? Is it for me? Is it for expectations that are placed on me? Because like if you walk into a martial arts school and you see a, like a very large, unhealthy looking person teaching discipline and confidence i'm, I'm gonna look at him and be like are you crazy like what why would i want to be involved with you but mm-hmm. dance especially like the, the amount of pressure that's on dancers to look a certain way to have a certain body type like i i get it and it it sucks oh absolutely i mean the thing is there's this image that's kind of built of like what you should look like and whether it's martial arts or dancing and that's the thing that kind of gets to you. It's like, cause you'll compare yourself, especially to other students who may also have been, cause I was also with some kids who have been trained since they were three. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was like, wow, okay. They're very skinny and I'm not. Right. So again, it's always going to be like, you look more like a dancer than I do. I'm not saying I was like fat or anything. I was also starting to develop at that age. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't help that, but it was the image of what you think of a beautiful dancer should be. And 
I think it also shifted like where I wanted to be as a dancer because eventually I started to realize, okay, my heart's not in ballet. It hurts. I don't want to have my feet look that way either. So I kind of, I realized while being in Rosie's that I was more of a jazz and hip hop girl, which is fine. Tap was okay. Mm. It's just tap is, I'm going to be honest, anyone who has done tap or is interested in tap, it's so technical because you are using your feet to not only dance, but you're making the music essentially. Mm -hmm. It is very difficult i would say it was the most challenging but i would say ballet is a bit like at the bottom for me because tap at least was very interesting to learn about from my perspective but again when it comes to that like body image issues and whatnot that that did set in but i mean i guess it i guess everything what rosie's did pan out because eventually i did get noticed from someone from nickelodeon from there so that was actually pretty interesting so um, I, I got to ask, the Nickelodeon audition, you, you specifically said when you messaged me that you have an odd story about it, and I'm so curious. Yeah, that's the thing, because I remember, because my mom and I, we talked about, I think, what was it, earlier this year? So basically, I was called in to do an audition. My profile kind of fit what they were looking for, like kids who had like performance experience, which mm-hmm. is normal. That's great. And I had Broadway experience. So at this time, I think, what was it? Nickelodeon was really trying to focus on like marketing, like people who could do all of that, like sing and act. I think singing and acting was a big one. And dance, if you could dance, that was also a benefit. So basically, this is around the time of the recession. So the economy kind of took a huge dip. Mm -hmm. My mom lost her job. So for me as a kid, it was like, okay, I see kids, I see, you know, the sweet life is Zach and Cody. I see that's so Raven. They're making money and they're having fun. So why don't I try and do that so I can help out my parents? And eventually, I don't think that was a healthy mindset mm-hmm. either at a, as a kid. And I think I look back at that. I'm like, okay, maybe I shouldn't have thought that way. But I know I was thinking of my parents. And that's where that's where the heart comes from for me. So we were, my mom took me to an audition. But what was weird is that it was on the wrong day. Hmm. so we have tons of studios in new york so for my mom she thought we were going to a studio where you know they do recordings or they do you know interviews or whatnot what was weird is that we ended up in an apartment building which was strange Mm -hmm. so my mom my mom was a little uncomfortable by default so we're we get to a weird floor and there's you know little like studios not like studio studios that are professional but just apartment studios so we're looking around and my mom just keeps getting visibly more uncomfortable being there I'm an oblivious child I want to be honest with everyone this was like 15 years ago I was oblivious I just wanted to get to the audition to see if I had the potential to be on tv and make the money that was about it so for my mom she was more observant she's like why are we not in a studio she's like you went from Broadway to a weird apartment building. I'm not comfortable, mm-hmm. is what she kept thinking. So we run into the janitor, weirdly enough. And that's also where it gets a little weird, too. Because he said, oh, the producers are left already. So if you want, you can try coming back on Monday. Because I think it was a Friday we went, which was fine. That's okay. And then he made a few comments that made my mom say, yeah, we're not coming back here. So he said that I usually, people who audition look a little bit nicer. Hmm. And for me, I thought it was just like very obvious I looked poor at that point. Hmm. But my mom just looked a little uncomfortable because she's like, what do you mean she has to look nicer? 
I mean, she looks like a normal 12 year old mm-hmm. as she should, which is, I mean, I agree with her, but again, I mean, there's also other stories out there that were floating around about like kids being in pools that I did not experience. Thank God. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't, that went over my head as well. But then he also said something to my mom where she's like, yeah, I think we're not going to audition. He said that the parents way outside the building, not even outside the room, not even, not even like in the lobby outside the building. So I was like, okay. And then my mom's like, nah, she told the Janice, she's like, yeah, we're not going to, I think maybe I'll consider it. But she's like, I don't think I'm going to bring my daughter back here. And I told my, I actually was upset with my mom because I'm like, mom, this is an opportunity. I fit what they want in Nickelodeon. I think they were like, they were like playing around with, I think the idea of Victorious because I fit the profile mm-hmm. of like what they did because Ariana Grande and Elizabeth Gillies, they did Broadway as well and right. they were trained. So I fit the profile and I was like, oh my gosh, mom, you couldn't, I like, you don't have a job, all this stuff. She's like, and my mom's Puerto Rican. So she's like, I don't care. I'm going to get a job. You don't need to do all this. Just go to school and don't even worry. So it was weird. And I guess for the past few days, I just was a little annoyed with her. And every time I watched Nickelodeon, she always had a side eye the entire time, just because I think that experience very much tarnished the entire network for her. And then you so, hear horror stories about some of these Nickelodeon things like like parties and creepy. Like, I, I don't get why everybody in Hollywood's so creepy. It's I I don't know. Again, there's some there's some stuff when it comes to Hollywood. Like I've been I've honestly like I've seen like the Dan Schneider documentary by honestly a really good YouTuber. I want to shout out if he ever wants to work with me on top of that, please do hit me up. Blame uh, blame it on George or Jorge, as they say. He did this really great one hour documentary on Dan Schneider. Cause he parted ways with Nickelodeon. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I think was that the producer I was supposed to audition for? Is what I thought in my head. It's like, was it Dan Schneider? I don't know. But to this day, I mean, I think it was. I'm not too sure. I mean, don't quote me. But I see this documentary on how there was one girl who stayed anonymous, and she she would did a phone call, and she's like, her mom pulled her out of an audition because she was supposed to run around barefoot and like go up to the camera and say how much she loves being barefoot and everything and all that stuff. And then supposedly there were these you know, actor boot camps that kids would go to, which were just pool parties at the producers' houses and all this stuff. And I was like, I was watching this with my mom, actually, I think a few months ago. And she's like, you know what? You see, you got mad at me, but I just saved you from who knows what they would have done to mm. you in Hollywood. She's like, I, she's like, I am not one of those parents because, I mean, unfortunately, we also see that I... I think I saw something with Aaliyah and I think that there's a lot of like everyone looks at I mean R. Kelly is the bad guy but also no one's looking at her parents because they just left her alone with this right. man essentially like she was I mean she's gorgeous may she rest in peace this amazing talent that we lost so young but again it is also the parents who are responsible for this as well and I mean you see it with Jeanette McCurdy who literally wrote a book saying I'm glad my mom died because yeah. her mom forced her into it and I think Looking back while I was mad at my mom, I mean, she valued me way more than the amount of money that Hollywood was going to throw at me for whatever it is that these producers would have done to mm. me, possibly. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that was it was weird, especially because it looked like the janitor kind of was used to this kind of stuff. Yeah. So I'm wondering, the fact yeah, that he also ahead. like knows all these things and like because he's got to go in there and, and clean up afterwards, I'm sure like. I, oh god it's scheming me out yeah now, now I'm okay totally scheme 
Okay, Let, yeah, let's, yeah. We're going to shift gears into something a little bit more fun because also we are running a little low on time and I want to make sure that you also get to talk about your, your e-learning and performing arts a little bit more. So yeah. having done both, you've done e-learning and you've done performing arts, both ways to interact with and you know kind of express yourself. Do you find anything that unexpected like synergies, like things that are in common for both and you're like, huh, man, this, this relates to dance or this relates to e- like e-learning? I would say I would say situations. I remember for one of my kids. So for in terms of like online tutoring, which I mainly do right now, I had to I have one of my oldest. I had to break down, I think, World War One to her. And I had to she's and it was kind of funny because I'm like, okay, how do I make this into a situation that makes sense? Like, mm-hmm. for example, when I had to do a dance performance and we had to like kind of pretend that we were moving in sync, she my dance coach is like, I need you guys to pretend like you guys are pulling a rope and you are dependent on one another. And that's, she's like, wow, you guys did so much better after we put in that scenario in our heads and our dance performance became better. So I was like, okay, how do I break down World War One in a way that makes it fun and interesting? I told her, I'm like, okay, so this is what happened. Serbia had beef with Bosnia. And then she's, and then I told her, I'm like, okay, but Serbia also was really good friends with Russia. And the thing is, Russia said, okay, Bosnia, if you mess with Serbia, I'm going to come after you too. She's like, oh, so it's like, you know, you have to go and help your friend because <laughs> someone's messing with them. She's like, okay, this makes sense to me now. I was like, okay, you see, this is like a scenario. I'm like, pretend these are your friends outside of the school and someone's trying to mess with your friend and your friend happens to be named Serbia. Then you have your other friend, Russia, over there. And then Bosnia starting stuff. So Serbia starts getting in their face. And then next thing you know, now Russia's joining the fight. Pero Italy's coming in too. And so is England. And then she's like, okay, so everybody just has to have each other's back. And we just need to keep fighting all that stuff. It was the most Gen Z thing I had to do, essentially. But it's a great way of putting scenarios into situations to make them more interesting, creative, and create solutions, essentially. So I would say, you know... Again, I think that's the best way to kind of learn anything is to just relate it to everyday life in a way. That's so that's how I became a great dancer, a great act- actress, all that stuff. Because, I mean, I did, did do a performing arts school, but I don't think we have time for that either. But again, that's how I incorporate it into my e-learning experience as well. I mean, for my kids, I try to make it as fun as possible with instructional design. I'm actually working on a course to teach people Morse code because I think you know, in case of an end of world situation, we all should kind of know Morse code, you know, I, I think it's wow. important, these things. So <laughs> I'm designing a course where you are kind of like being recruited into the military and you need to decipher messages, but you're learning how to decipher Morse code along the way. So that's kind of like how I'm playing with my ability to make up situations and incorporate it into problem solving and just have fun with it. Again, this is the best way we're going to see people learn more, want to understand things a lot better and, you know, maybe improve things in the world essentially. Oh, that's really cool. Like, I wish learning like that was around when I was a kid. Cause I was not a sit down and read the book and do the homework kind of guy. Like I interaction, like doing things. That's how I learned. So that's, that's so cool. Now, really quick, cause uh, we are running a little low on time, but I have my favorite segment of the show. We do a rapid fire questions I usually pick like three, four questions, nothing too crazy. I try and cater them to who I'm speaking with. And mm-hmm. basically, I'm going to ask a question and you just answer off the top of the head if you're interested in playing. Yeah. All right. Let's do this. All Why right. Not? What is a song that you would love to perform for an e-learning module? Oh, my God. Oh, uh, you get what you give by the new rascals. Nice. I think that's an important song. 
I always, whenever I'm feeling down, that's just a good song to uplift me. And I think that's always a good song to uplift anyone. That's so. awesome. One Broadway show that everyone should see. Ooh. Oh, that's so difficult. All right. I would say it's a tie for me between Funny Girl and Phantom of the Opera. Funny Girl, if you want to laugh a little bit. Phantom of the Opera, if you want to understand what classical Broadway is. Like, that was, like, the pivotal moment. Like, oh, my gosh. Such a great show. Really amazing. All right. What is an e-learning trend to look out for in in 2024? Hands down, artificial intelligence. That's coming. It came this year. It's been blowing up. It's been, it's starting to blow up in e-learning right now too. So hands down. Good old ChatGPT, my favorite. <laughs> All right, last one. If you could teach any famous person, alive or deceased, an e-learning course, who would it be, and what would you want to teach? Oh my god! I know. I I really put in a lot of effort, so I love the reaction. I know. Oh my gosh, who would I? Oh, oh, I think I would want to teach Marilyn Monroe how to dance. Actually, wow. I was thinking like she could sing, she can act. I know that she could dance a little bit, but I'd be very curious if I exposed her to a little bit of like some new styles, like add in some hip hop, add in some, you know, like salsa as well. Because fun fact, Marilyn Monroe was actually half Mexican. So yeah, so that's a fun fact. Yeah, people don't know that. Her mom was Mexican, actually. So I think that would be cool for, because she was born around the time where you had to hide that, essentially, because it was still during segregation, whatnot. So to... You know, be able to teach Marilyn and let her embrace her Latin roots, essentially. Oh, my God. Like, what would she do? What would she be like? That would be incredible, actually. I, I feel like her performance of Happy Birthday, Mr. President, would have been a l- even more. <laughs> like, it's funny because, like you say, like, at the time, that was, like, the most risque thing. Singing Happy Birthday to someone, like, all, like, sultry-like. I can't imagine if she had a little bit more dance to it, too. Oh, that'd be something interesting. Uh, she's dancing with JFK as well during that time. That's right. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. All right. Sounds fire. <laughs> <laughs> so we are wrapping up just in, the, in a minute, but I want to make sure that you get a chance. If people want to interact with you or do one of your e-learning programs or anything along those lines, how would people do that? Okay. So you can feel free to follow me on Instagram. It's Jessica of all trades with two S's at the end. If you also want, it's Jessica of all trades on Facebook as well. I'm also trying to think, gosh, I have so much going on. You can also contact me on my website. I have jessiegons.com, which is like my author website where I also like talk about writing and whatnot. My e-learning website is Kaleidoscope Course Creations. It's still under under construction, but it's up if you do want to explore it or even contact me. It's not a big deal. I would say I also do have a TikTok of Jessica of all trades. I don't really post because... I'm I'm a little older, so TikTok is still very new for me and yeah, all of that I'm stuff. Not, we have a TikTok that I very, very rarely post on, if anything. Exactly. It's it's a little hard, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, cool. And also, if you do want to learn about e-learning, I have my own podcast called the Education Refinery Podcast. So we talk about all these trends in e-learning. We just launched the first season. We're going to begin season two. So if anyone wants to join us for our rough first season, we'd appreciate it. We're getting a lot more organized and a lot more professional with season two. I I know that, you know, my first season might be a little weird, but I'm taking this as you go. Again, you learn as you do anyway. So feel free to check out the Education Refinery podcast and feel free to contact us if you're interested in being a guest star as well. That's awesome. So Jess, that is unfortunately the end of our time, but thank you so much for coming on. I had a blast. I really hope our listeners reach out to you. And if you guys do, make sure you let her know that you heard her here. So Jess, thank you so much for coming on. 
Yeah, you are very welcome. It was awesome being on here. And we'll hopefully talk to you soon. Yes, thank you. Have a nice day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Hey guys, it's Paul and the Misfit Faction is looking for your help. We are trying to grow not only our network, but also grow our brands. And the best way to do that is if you guys are looking to start your very own podcast, maybe you guys have been listening to us for a while, maybe it's something you guys have always wanted to do, but you're not sure how to get started. If you go to podbean.com slash Misfit Faction, you guys will get a month of free podcasting on us. That is a gift from us. So make sure if you guys are looking to start your own show, you reach out to us and go to podbean.com slash Misfit Faction. Also, maybe you guys have your own online business or service that you're always looking to grow and advertising is a very big part of that. If you guys go to sponsorship.podbean.com slash Misfit Faction, you guys can get $100 worth of free advertising again as a thank you from us to you guys. That's sponsorship.podbean.com slash Misfit Faction. All right, we are back, and we want to thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Jessica was a lot of fun to talk to. Her stories, especially about acting and what she's doing now, really good stuff, and we had so much fun chatting with her. I think her and I chatted for like another 15, 20 minutes outside of the show afterwards, and you know, we can find her through our Instagram. She followed us almost immediately. She was just such a great... Such a great interviewee, and I had a lot of fun talking with her. So if you guys are looking for more of our content, it's super easy. Just go to our website, themisfitfaction.com. You'll find links to all of our shows, including this one, the Multiverse Fancast, and Cinematic Adventures. You'll also find news, reviews, articles, and more. And of course, our store is on there. So if you guys are looking for your Misfit swag, now's the time. Pick it up. And also, if you guys are on social media, we are on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, all of it. Just type in The Misfit Faction or MF Uncensored, and odds are you'll find some of our stuff. We want to thank you guys for tuning in, and we will see you next time.